Welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am your host, Emily. I'm a Kentucky native, now Boston-based artist, researcher, spirituality, and creativity teacher. And I find absolute delight in the sometimes subtle, sometimes epic ways we as people discover our voices and begin consciously creating lives full of meaning and expression. Sacred Adventure Begin features stories from business owners to artists, lawyers to singers, yogis to professors, and many (laughs) in-betweens to inspire you in connecting the threads, themes, and experiences of your own life. I know that it can sometimes feel unknowable, insurmountable, and perhaps some of us feel a bit vulnerable in our quests for the deeper truths and meanings in our lives. Power and awareness lie on the other side of these pursuits, and it is my hope that these stories and conversations become engaging tools to bridge those gaps that we all have between intellect and heart, between mundane and divine, between fantastical and practical. I'm so excited to have you here sharing this space and being part of these conversations. Let's begin. Hey, everyone. Oh my gosh, I cannot even say how completely and utterly uh, honored and pumped I am to be giving you, sharing with you, (laughs) hosting, (laughs) looking for the right words, um, this interview today with Lali and Samara about uh, consciously building a relationship about communication and about how to sort of navigate things that are complex. And it's something that, again, I have been thinking over so much in my life. Uh, A couple weekends ago, I held um, my first retreat that I co-hosted with someone else, uh, with Fanny Le Boulanguier, one of the guests on the podcast, but also... um, as I'm considering more collaborations in my future, it relationship and communication and how we, again, talk about like who we are and how we mix that with something else and create something new in the world is really uh, an interesting topic for me. So I am going to just get straight into the interview today. But before I do, I did want to also mention that uh, coming up next week, we have a similar topic, but uh, discussed with two sisters who are in the healing spiritual arts uh, and doing work together here in Boston. And the following week, I have a pair of interviews. It's not necessarily two people um, who whose work is similar, but it's two really interesting takes on um, and on growing up in a certain type of spirituality, and then like pivoting that to be uh, more authentic to one's self. And so I've paired those interviews together, and then. I don't even believe that I'm saying this on the record, (laughs) but I've been trying to convince my husband to come on the podcast. Oh, there's my little... I get a lot of questions from... um, There goes the alert again. Really sorry about that. Um, People online um, on Instagram, but also in some of my group coaching programs about um, what you do when your spouse or the person you're in relationship with isn't as quote-unquote spiritual as you. And uh, our relationship is pretty interesting because when we first got together, I wasn't into spirituality at all. Actually, I was pretty lost in climbing ladders and uh, seeking security through income. 
um, and a number of other <laughs> sort of things. And um, Patrick has been just wonderfully supportive and um, engaging and interested in what I've been doing. But our relationship has like changed in a lot of really good ways since I started on a spiritual journey. And so I want to bring him on to talk about just being with someone as they go through like big changes in their lives and what that kind of partnership looks like. And I'm also really excited because we do talk a little bit about that type of uh, partnering and being there for someone and how to create dialogue around that in this episode today. So you've got all of that to look forward to in this little relationship mini series. <laughs> I am so excited to be hosting this interview. Here we go. Welcome back, Lolly and Samara, to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I couldn't be more excited to have you here and to be talking about like spiritual relationships and business relationships and, and how that all interrelates. So excited to be here. Thank you for having us again. Yeah, and thank you for thinking of us in this way. I feel really honored to be <laughs> to be asked to talk about my relationship on a podcast. Yeah, I think... I think it's interesting, well, and almost like strange <laughs> because so few podcasts like really talk about like what relationships are and um, well, I mean, maybe some of them do, but not in terms of like business and spirituality, which is I think a theme for both of your businesses and probably mm -hmm. also how you all met each other question mark so <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later yeah <laughs> be considered <laughs> pardon oh we'll we'll talk about it later sweet so so I do know that you do a podcast together do you all do workshops together maybe we can kind of like start for the listeners who may not have heard the original podcast episodes with either of you just by talking about like maybe the projects that you're working on together and then also how you work separately. Sure. So we have a podcast together called Intuitive Wellness and we basically came to that just because we have really, I guess our conversations have been really interesting to us and Lali recently went to one of my clients slash friends for a channeled reading and her reading was basically that our conversations are really inspiring like to ourselves and like to other people and so we were like oh we should just record ourselves talking to each <laughs> other um and put it into the world and so and we also just like love making friends and sharing our friends with each other and expanding our circle and so it's been really beautiful to just interview people that we really love and yeah, it feels like a nice way to have a have a friend group during COVID, honestly. <laughs> um, so we do that together. And then we tried to do a workshop together at one point <laughs> um, called Embodying Self-Love. And that was a for that was about like looking at your body outside of the gender binary and then learning to love yourself more from the physical perspective. And that just, it didn't go, like no one signed up for it, but we had a really great time planning it together. <laughs> oh, well, when you were talking about that um, workshop, I was just thinking, oh, I would sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I know. I genuinely think we were like protected from doing that workshop because we tried to do it over the weekend and we hate working on the weekend. <laughs> we made it 
on a, a it was a two-part thing saturday and sunday and now the thought of doing that oh shoot no Sorry. worries yeah uh-huh. i i feel like anyone who listens to this podcast knows that interruptions are normal <laughs> and, and okay okay, <laughs> okay good that's um, funny because this was the alarm for what i thought the interview when i thought the interview was going to be right so, sorry about that <laughs> no worries it's always weird with the like time zone thing yeah but yeah no we had no I think our subconscious desires were not behind doing a workshop over the weekend so yeah Yeah, totally we we did get a good amount of people that were interested in it who said that it was like a cool idea that they would have liked to do it but they couldn't for some strange reason yeah so I really got a ton of clicks so I think we we just were not meant to work over the weekend I love that. (laughs) So um, you both work in a sort of like uplifting, empowering sphere of work, but your work is very different. Can you maybe talk about like what each of you does? Sure. Um, So for me, I, I have like a spiritual business that is really aimed at helping people dismantle the gender binary. Um, so I, I do breathwork sessions. Um, I do like educational content. Um, and even within the podcast, like we do try to mention like our analysis of gender or, you know, asking, um, we had a non-binary person come on and, and they shared a little bit about their journey. So so my work is really like empowering people to to delve deep into themselves, understand the way that the gender binary has caused harm in their life and and find ways of um, feeling empowered to find a, a more authentic way of expressing themselves. Love it. I love your work. Every time you talk about it, I just like, I get so proud of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I am, as well, I don't know, I call myself a business healer. There's no like very translatable term for what I do, but I work with people who are in an industry of making a difference. So whether that's coaching or you're a healer or anything where your purpose of your business is to leave the world better than it was when you got here. And I help those people integrate a bigger sense of ease, joy, fulfillment, relaxation, kind of feeling into the ways in which your business can really complement and fit into the life that you wanna have. Love it. I I see so many similarities in just like when you talk about healing or when you enter a healing space, like sort of unpacking what hasn't been working and then really questioning that and choosing to develop your own belief systems as sort of like similar threads in both your work. Um, so I have to know, <laughs> how did you all meet? And like, did what you do sort of, does what you do inform, inform like how, how you structure your businesses or how you structure your lives? I guess it's kind of a loaded question. Let's just start with how did you meet? <laughs> um, so we met in college. Um, it was my last year, I had taken a year off and I came back uh, 2018, 2017 to 2018, and we had a mutual friend, and we just, we decided to smoke one day. Um, I went to smoke with my friend, and then my friend was like, oh, there's this other friend that, you know, is going to come smoke too, um, and I was like, okay, cool, and 
and that was Samara, and that's where we met. Yeah. Ta-da! In which case we were, it was a spiritual way in which we met, but I, yeah, just smoking with a friend. Oh, that's awesome. But I do remember um, when we met, like, maybe not the first time, but like the second or third time that we hung out, um, I just have like the really strong memory of Samara was like one of the first people that I, the first person that I opened up to about my gender struggles at the time. Um, so I think that was, I don't know, I really hold that memory tightly. Yeah. No. I love that. I feel like you're the first person I talked to about not liking she pronouns and, and I think seeing you unpack all those things for yourself has really emboldened me in how I think about myself and what life could look like for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, Lolly, I can't remember, did you all both end up in grad school together after that? Or um, like, I guess, what was the progression after meeting to sort of becoming who you are now? Uh, (laughs) It's so like (laughs) nonlinear. I don't think you would ever expect, like I would, I did not expect us to be so close to each other. Um, Because after we finished undergrad, um, we met it. We were both seniors when we met. Um, so Samara got a job in DC, and I came back to San Diego. Um, and we would like FaceTime occasionally, but it never occurred to us that we would like be in the same city. And then that was a year after graduating undergrad. And then Samara started grad school at MIT, and I started grad school at San Diego State. So we were completely like <laughs> across the country from each other. Um, but I still had friends at Harvard, so I went to visit them a couple times. And so, you know, so MIT and Harvard are right next to each other. So I did get to see Samara a couple a couple more times, um, but I had no idea we would be here today. Yeah, it really wasn't until I quit grad school and then I was unencumbered by, I had no need or desire to continue living in Massachusetts and so I was like well I could live anywhere and you (laughs) you live in a nice beachy city (laughs) and now we're in the same city but yeah it really wasn't like linear or planned at all wait time out wasn't Philadelphia in there somewhere yeah (laughs) yes so I moved to Philadelphia (laughs) to be you know we talked about that on a previous episode so I was yeah Lolly came in spent a month with me over there And that was the first time we had like, quote unquote, lived together. And it was beautiful. And we were like, we should keep doing this. (laughs) Like, why would we separate now? And so then I basically followed him back here. (laughs) That is the intermediate step, yes. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I feel like I remember Philly being part of the equation here. (laughs) Um, That's (laughs) That's so interesting. So when you left MIT, that is when you sort of decided to go into business for yourself. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had a business, like a very, very small side thing going, as we talked about, where I would just teach a workshop every couple of weeks and I would do a couple of one-on-one readings every now and then. But I started to really like trust that it was going to be my support system after I left MIT. 
Yeah. And, and Lolly, were you also, um, like starting your own business then as well? Um, I, my journey was a little different. I, I think watching Samara decide to leave grad school was like really inspiring. And like, I was very aware that I did not want to be there. I was not happy doing what I was doing. Um, but I decided to leave. Well, how did it happen? I think you decide. Well, you went back and forth. You were yeah. like, I'm going to quit grad school. No, I'm going to get a PhD. No, I'm <laughs> 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 I, I finished the first year and then over the summer I went to Philly with Samara and that is when I decided to start the business and then I thought that I wanted a PhD um, no at that point I didn't want it anymore but I did think I wanted to finish the master's and so I went back for the second year for the first week of school and then at that point when I was like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. That, that was fun. I tried it. Um, <laughs> we just had to let that dream go. <laughs> totally. Totally. I have um, also, when I was in school, I was like, maybe I should go ahead and get like an art history PhD. But it's mm-hmm. one of those moments where you have that question of like, why am I just like continuing to pile on like this system? because I think it's going to like save me or give me a job or something or like make my future guaranteed. And there's that like moment when you step out of that and go like, Oh no, like I, I can actually do it a different way. Um, and so I love that you were both kind of like percolating the same, <laughs> the same idea. And that like, as you were going through that, it was inspiring each other to like go further into self-work, but also to go further or like to, to like have the bravery to do it on your own and to step out and say like, I'm going to create something in this world. And I just think that's so lovely. <laughs> it's, can, can you maybe speak to like, were there like any like fears that came up or was it sort of like an easy flow as you were really like stepping into what you were creating? Mm, like from the perspective of, having businesses or from from what perspective how about you answer that in whatever way (laughs) you want to I I guess it's like kind of an open-ended question or an unclear question and maybe what I'm asking is like how do you find ways to support each other when such flux is taking place is maybe also another way I could answer uh, ask that okay do you want to start well, I, I'm thinking about when you had like this meditation or something where you like died and came back. And I feel like you shared that with me and you were like, okay, after this, I absolutely have no desire to stay in grad school. Like that, that's Samara who wanted to be here is, I don't know where they went. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I really want you to do this business thing. Like I, I really feel this like need to to help in any way that I can and I remember when I first saw like your website and your blog and I was like this is amazing like I felt so like happy and inspired and um I wanted to to buy something to support your business and I started looking at different decks and that's when I found the next world tarot deck Mm -hmm. um and I was just in awe the whole time. I was like, fuck, why am I doing what I'm doing when I, like, 
I, yeah, I like what you're saying about the safety net. Like it really was just that. Like I wanted to guarantee that I would be financially okay. Even if I wasn't super happy with what I was doing, I was like, well, I'm okay with what I'm doing and I know I'm going to be set, you know, financially. And so that was what I, like I realized after watching Samara make choices from like, this is what I want to do. This is like my dream. This is like so much, I don't, that was so much more powerful than the motivation of just like, I'm scared of what will happen if I don't do this. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I feel like for me, it's kind of the flip side. So, so the meditation Lolly's talking about, we talked about that on, we talked about that on our podcast, right? I basically had this moment after doing breath work and I was laying there and I was like really in theta state after a really powerful like root chakra session that I gave myself. And I was like, all that like sense of like fear of, you know, needing to be within a system and have a system take care of me was Mm -hmm. gone. And also the sense of like, I need to do things out of an obligation to my family, or I need to constantly be this like impressive miracle child for my parents. Like all of that just left me and I had 0% desire to go to school and I stopped going to class. And I just like, like Lali said, like that Samara was gone and I could not find them anywhere at all. And so from that perspective, I really feel like I've been quote unquote, like from the perspective of supporting Lali, I think as Lali was dragging himself through school and oscillating about like, do I want a PhD versus do I want to leave school entirely? The work for me was not projecting onto him because I really learning the value of like following your own authentic path. And I wanted to be open-minded enough to where if he was authentically drawn to getting a PhD, I didn't want to kind of actively steer him away from anything. So I was just trying to be like the neutral objective, not objective per se, but like (laughs) neutral supportive observer of what was you know, going on for him in his head rather than dragging him in one direction or another. Oh, and that's so hard to do, especially when you've like had negative sort of related experiences (laughs) or have chosen like a different path. And I think that that's beautiful that you are able to like give that to each other in that way, uh, like during that time. So... Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, because I'm thinking like if if Samara at that point where I had decided that I did want to pursue a PhD, I feel like if they had been like, are you sure you want this? Why do you want this? And like I started questioning it. I feel like I would have just put up like defenses because, mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't ready for that yet. And it took like, OK, I know that my partner will accept me no matter what I decide to do. Um. I think that helped me a lot to find the freedom of like, okay, what do I actually want? So thank you. Yeah. And I was even thinking about like, because basically when you started to talk about leaving school, you did face a lot of backlash from your professors. Yeah. They were like actively advocating for you to stay in school. And I saw how that was really weighing on you. 
And I didn't want to be another person like actively advocating for you to do anything. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to throw more gas onto this fire that's already kind of being built by these other people. And I just wanted to be like a source of like a sounding board more than mm-hmm. a person trying to push you one way or the other, because you already had enough of that. Yeah. And my mom too, like at the time I was living with my mom and, and the whole thing with her was like, I was allowed to live with her rent free so long as I was in school. Mm-hmm. And so that was another pressure of like, do I even have the option of leaving if I want to, where am I going to live? Um, but luckily I had my dad and it all worked out. <laughs> Yeah. Now here we are. Yes. Now we can support ourselves. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) In a way that is authentic and also does does great things in the world, I think. Um, From both of you all. So I'm curious, maybe I'm trying to find a way to word this question, but maybe I should just ask it to you like this. Uh, If you were sort of giving advice to people as they're um, looking for support in relationships, both uh, friendship and romantic relationships, like what ways did you all establish this like beautiful supportive connection that I'm hearing you talk about? Like, was there a process to it or did you just kind of come in already as good communicators and deep thinkers or were there sort of like bumps and, and things that you learned from along the way? There were definitely bumps. We were not not magically great communicators. Um, uh, Do you want to start? I can start. I don't know. I think you you start. Okay. Well, the one thing that's coming to mind as far as advice, we used to have a ritual, a weekly check-in, where we would go through... At first, it was very open-ended. Like, how are you feeling about our relationship and we would just go from there with like what we feel like has been feeling safe what we wish was different and then we built it into really like a very ritualized experience where we would have different categories so we had like money our sex life um work life balance just different things that pertain to us being partners and we would go through and section by section talk about how we were feeling in each of those areas and try to think about things that we could implement to smooth over anything that felt rocky and that was really important in the beginning for like making sure that we knew we could trust each other at least within that little bubble to say whatever needed to be said and not worry about having to like bottle something up to spare the other person's feelings and then having it come out later in like some, you know, haphazard way. So we just created a little container for us to always be emotionally available to each other at least once a week. Yeah, I think it's also helpful that we both had like backgrounds in counseling. That's true. Um, And like, like that was a helpful foundation that doesn't mean that there weren't problems in communicating (laughs) um I think for me what has been really helpful was that as we have been spending more time together like I feel like at the same time that we like I went to Philadelphia and um we started dating I have also been introduced to shadow work and breath work Mm -hmm. and I feel like shadow work particularly has been so helpful in like understanding certain uh like subconscious or just 
not intentional things that I'm doing or like why I'm communicating in a certain way and like very being more aware of like how past relationships, particularly with my parents are impacting this relationship um, and like being very open about that and trusting Samara and like having those conversations. Um, yeah, I think reading Existential Kink too, like some of the activities in that book. I love that book so much. <laughs> uh, I love that book. <laughs> Oh, can we tell the listeners a little bit about that book for a second? <laughs> yes, uh, Existential King is the best book you want. <laughs> it's just this really beautiful perspective on life, at least the way that I interpret it. And I even recommend this book to my clients, honestly. And the way I explain it to them is like feeling into what you perceive as pleasurable and what you perceive as painful and allowing those things to be malleable in a way that allows you to be more accepting of what's going on in your life. Um, and usually that explanation will help people get like a sense of what it is, but you can't really know until you're on the journey, I think actually like reading the book and implementing, I don't know. I'm curious how you all interpret that book. I, I, yeah, I read it as I, uh, is such a like, wake up call <laughs> for for things that um like elements of me that enjoyed like a little bit of drama <laughs> or a little bit of danger and how those then like came out in unhealthy ways in my life and it called me to like look at them accept them allow myself to be satisfied from by them and then not continue doing them in the unhealthy way <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my take on that one. Lolly, what did that like bring? <laughs> I think just like, I, I had this concept in my head already from dialectical behavioral therapy of like radical acceptance and that including like those parts of yourself that you're not super comfortable with or like things that you feel guilty or shamed about. And I feel like this book helped me have a much healthier relationship with guilt and shame. like with not just like closing myself off to those things, um, but looking more into them and like finding more the root, why I was feeling certain ways. Um, and I think the, the fact that it's like, um, how do I say it? Like how this context kind of like BDSM kind of like, you know, kinky. Um, I feel like I related that a lot to my queer and trans journey and like accepting those parts of myself, even though there was all this shame and stuff around that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think applying that to like relationships and my emotions, like, like with that lens was so helpful for me. And I think even just like to, um, to go back with the advice and to share an example that was really helpful for me and that I think about a lot is that when we were living together for that month in Philly, we, had this like unspoken I guess resentment going on that really only came out as we started applying existential kink and realized that basically I had been so used to living by myself and running my business and having my business be the main thing in my day-to-day -day life and having Lali be like a secondary thing I guess and when we were living together that was like 
really hard for him because he didn't feel like he was getting as much attention and everything. And I really, I think I was very consciously saying to myself, I don't want Lolly to be the second priority. I want Lolly to feel like he's the first priority, but that did not like come across at all. It was just kind of me in my head, like actively intending against something, which I think we all know is like the easiest way to make that thing happen. But, um, <laughs> Preach. Preach. <laughs> but yeah, as we were doing existential kink, it came out really clearly that like, that was exactly how he was feeling. And there were like very clear things that I could be doing differently to have him not feel that way. And then we made that change. And I think ever since that moment, like that feels like a turning point for me in how mm-hmm. we balance being people who have businesses that we love and care about and also loving and caring about each other you know that's okay so this is really cool then you all did the book together Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) that sounds so wonderful (laughs) it's so cool that you can do like what other books have you read together what other books would you recommend reading together have we re- I don't really so I don't really read books that book like <laughs> grabbed me <laughs> read I we tried to read no I think we had like you shared uh big magic that's true um that was another like push for me to start my business for sure Mm-hmm. And then, like, when we were friends, I shared a book with you, Gender you Outlaw. Did, Gender Outlaw. But uh, that was, I think I was just reading that because I was into you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I want to talk about this book. A worthy motivation if I ever heard one. <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. I think it's interesting, too, like... And maybe uh, if, if you don't feel comfortable answering this question, you can just say like pass, but like, could you kind of give like a specific maybe for people so they understand like actually how like shadow work can be like applied to a relationship and can make, can make the, like maybe the communication flow more easily or um, make people or help not make, but help people feel like understood or seen within the relationship? I think for me, well, I, do you, we can each share an example if that's good with you Emily yeah that Um, sounds great cool okay so for me we had this recent situation where I was sick and I felt like Lali was like not really taking care of me like he was taking care of me but I felt like I wanted him to be more joyful about it (laughs) Um, I was really hurt because I was like I don't want to feel like I'm a burden to you and then I was just like thinking, obviously after I recovered, I didn't try to do the shadow work while I was sick, which I think like, please don't try to force yourself to to be digging into your subconscious while your body is recovering, if that's not what you want to do. But after I recovered and I was thinking about the experience, I was really just leaning into what I was afraid of and what the implications were of me being a burden on him. And obviously, you know, feeling like you're a burden on your partner is really hard. And for me, what it brought up was feeling like I had been a burden on my parents when I was younger. And I really allowed myself to sit in the moments and the memories of feeling like my parents had made it very clear that I was a burden and that I was a strain on them and that they would rather not be responsible for me. And 
in allowing myself to make those clear associations between like what the younger me did not get and what I was afraid that I wasn't getting, I was able to be really honest with him in a way that felt like it felt important that we had that conversation because I think a lot of the times in relationships it can feel really petty to be like oh like baby like I wish you were happy to take care of me like that it it can (laughs) feel like that's like a frivolous thing to bring up but it felt really important after I did the the reflection of why I'm actually feeling this way and then I brought it up with all of that context. And then it led to a really beautiful conversation between the two of us. Man, I'm just thinking of like, really tough moments in our relationship where Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for shadow work, I don't know that I would have been able to center your experience. like an example that comes up was um, I had this friend who's undocumented and when Samara and I were friends, I had told this friend that I would marry her. Um, and I did not bring that up to Samara once we started dating. And it wasn't until we went to see this friend and hang out with her that I told Samara um, and and by then we were like living together and like pretty serious. And I yeah, was yeah, you like, were in a committed relationship. <laughs> right. So I was like, oh, you were you already told someone else you would marry them. That's interesting <laughs> that you did that. <laughs> yes, I, I would love to meet your betrothed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but at the at the time, this was like almost around the time of the election and and I was taking this this uh, shadow work class like uh, Toltec wisdom shadow work and part of that was like looking at like um, like holding this dual identity of having you know white ancestors and indigenous ancestors and making peace with that history and I like through that experience, I really learned that if I am centering my own oppression, if I am centering my own pain, like I close myself off to understanding Samara's experience. Um, And it was like with the shadow work, uh, like really making space for Samara and their ancestors and their history. I don't know if I would have been able to to hold that space and to center that experience if it wasn't for shadow work. I think it helped me like not center my own pain you know, to kind of have a more, like to zoom out a little bit, to be able to see how I was causing harm even though I was in pain, if that makes sense. And I think yeah. one of the things to note too is like, there was not an indication of like bypassing what Lali was feeling for his friend. And I think it was, cause I don't want anyone to take away from this that like the goal is to not center your pain and to like bypass your own pain in right. order to be more empathetic or quote unquote, because I don't think you can truly be empathetic unless you are feeling your own pain. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the only thing I would just like caveat is that there was a mo- there was kind of a, a sense of feeling like the not telling me 
was kind of an indication that what I, what I would think about this situation or how I wanted our relationship to look wasn't important or wasn't as important as what he was feeling for his friend. Mm-hmm. And he was able to reconcile my desires and my goals and, and the way that he felt about his friend's situation in a way that was like healthy for everyone involved. I love that. And that kind of resolution, uh, takes like, kind of like work, (laughs) I think, but it's like the work that is needed for like a authentic relationship to occur. And I think that that's like really beautiful and awesome. So, oh, I like asking you all good advice questions. (laughs) (laughs) What sort of ways do you create that like work life relationship balance and like what kind of advice would you give people who are um maybe getting ready to start a business with their significant other or um how to like support each other when one or both parties are creating their own businesses Mm. I'm not sure where to start. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It was, it's been a lot of, it's, it has been a whole journey. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> very easy thing. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't work on the weekends. And before we were living together, I used to work on weekends. I used to work at night. I used to, I had no like schedule really or boundaries around my time, but part of making it clear that Lali was a high priority and was like, you know, important enough to me that I'm going to cut myself off from this thing that I love. Cause I really do love my business mm-hmm. and it energizes me. And I, I probably could do it without, like I could burn myself out on my business really easily. <laughs> um, Cause I would just do it and do it and do it. And having Lali be a priority in my life means that I can't just work every single day all the time. And so we have dates every weekend and we just have time for ourselves and time like in the evenings to be together. And for me, that is more important than like being able to see another client or, you know, host another workshop or something like that. Yeah. I think those boundaries have been like really instrumental and I see the, the like progression in it too, because I think there was a time where I considered like taking classes, work, and I would I would feel jealous, honestly. Like I was like, why am I not as like interesting or as fun or or I also felt this like why do I not want to take classes for my business the way that Samara does? Why am I not as passionate about my business? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. And instead of like looking at that within myself, I was like I would rather just have Samara spend more time with me because then I don't have to feel these feelings. Oh. Uh, back to shadow work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I really feel like now I'm at a point where like I really see how much joy that this brings Samara and I I feel a lot more comfortable spending time with myself and I know I, I feel more um, comfortable with my relationship with my business as well. So it's like I don't feel that insecurity when Samara is spending all this time on their business. Like I feel genuinely happy for them and I, and for their clients. And I know that the work they're doing is amazing. Um, and I don't feel 
feel that sense of jealousy or insecurity anymore, but it, it definitely had to like come from my own work, um, like inner work, as well as like those boundaries that we did agree on. What do you think helped you? Cause this is the first time hearing that you were no longer in that place of um, resentment. And so I'm wondering like, what do you think was helpful for you with finding that reconciliation of like, I have this business I really care about and that doesn't mean that I don't love and care about you as well. You mean for you or for me? For you, what helped you <laughs> get to get over? <laughs> or, you know, integrate. not get over, <laughs> but integrate. Well, I, I honestly, I feel like I see your business as like another being um, that is part of our life. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not mad at that being. I think that being is really helping us. Like <laughs> I want that being to grow and to be nurtured because I see how that helps both of us. Um, I think a lot of it was my relationship with my business and feeling like I wasn't good enough or feeling all this imposter syndrome and feeling like I had to be like you. Oh. Um, and I think now, especially now that I have a job and I, mm -hmm. I'm i not so reliant on the business making money, there's like that pressure is just off. And I think that has made it easier for me to be like, I don't really care how you're spending the time with your business. Like, I want you to do what you want. Um, it's not impacting me in the same way. And, and I have my own things to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I don't think, before I don't think I was giving myself time to really ask myself, how do I wanna spend my time outside of, I wanna spend my time with you or I have to work. Mm -hmm. I think those were like the two settings I had. And I think over time, um, I've really learned to value my alone time. Like, what do I want to do that's fun for me, even if Samara is not there? Um, and that has led me to like do more music and um, write more. And it, it, my life just feels so much more balanced. I don't feel like I need you in, in the same way that I think I did before. That makes sense. I feel like our solo dates made such a difference. Like we each take ourselves on dates in addition to taking <laughs> each other on dates and cultivating those relationships with ourselves. Me too, I feel like has really been helpful in like loving the way that I spend my time, whether or not you are there with me, mm -hmm. which is really helpful for codependence. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, um, I love traveling by myself. And I think I, it's like the opposite of most people's like relationship fantasy. Cause they're like, you have a relationship. Don't you want to go on like extravagant vacations with that person? And I'm like, no, I want to go by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great to go together, but also like it's, so that's really interesting. You didn't mention that before. And actually Lolly, you touched on something that is like kind of hitting a little close to home um, for me as well. And that is, I'm going to wrap that into a question, but I think you've already kind of answered it, but like, it can be really hard dealing with um, income imbalances and like, like power around um, like work, like you were saying, work boundaries and attention as well within relationships. And so it's like interesting also to hear how you all are like navigating that, like both personally but also like as a unit. And I think that, that that is really interesting as well. 
Yeah. Um, it all just feels like a process. That's where getting to know each other and getting to know what it's like living together. Um, especially in these circumstances where we're in a one bedroom apartment living with my sibling, like I am grateful for it now because I think it really pushed me to value that, that time by myself um, and to see the consequences of what happens if I don't do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. We, we call them um, <laughs> Cheetos arguments because <laughs> because I I feel like when this stuff kind of goes unsaid or unacknowledged that like all of a sudden it turns into like you ate the last Cheeto and now I can't be with you anymore (laughs) (laughs) oh my god we basically had that about making our grocery list (laughs) (laughs) oh look all relationships have this But like it just gets so like, I think complicated, but also like really beautiful um, that like, and I'm not even going to call it a delicate balance, but it's more like, like a powerful dance between like what you need, what you can get, uh, what's like available at the time, what also needs to happen in the world and like how, how quickly change can or can't occur. Have you all ever had experiences where you've like talked about something and you've implemented a change and then it just doesn't work out at all? And you're like, okay, or who you've implemented a change and you're like, oh, I really don't actually want that. Let's see. Well, I'm thinking of like when we decided to do the the weekly Mm -hmm. check-ins, like that was a change that we decided to implement to have better communication. And then over time, we like grew out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, because then it started to feel um, regimented or like Mm -hmm. constraining. And now we're at the point where it's like, I want to hear about things as they come up. I don't even want to wait until Sunday to talk about it. Like I want it to just be fluid Mm -hmm. communication rather than having to schedule in the communication. But at the beginning, I think we really needed to set aside that safe space for each other. Yeah, and I think part of it is like learning each other's communication styles and like trust building. Like, I think for me, having tough conversations after things happen has made it easier now to bring stuff up that I know might be uncomfortable. Yeah, so like having the, um, not regiment, but the like practice of it and, and like the, the time of it and the regularity of it like led to other things. Yeah. helped you all find like how you wanted to do that that's so cool yeah so we would just keep missing them like we would be like oh sunday happened and we didn't do it i wonder why that is and then gradually we just realized that it was no longer something that was really necessary for us that's so cool that's so cool so like pivots and growth occur (laughs) (laughs) yeah so how's it been like having the podcast together I love our podcast. Me too. It's like my favorite thing that we do. <laughs> and and that I honestly I love it because A, we are playing to our strengths, I think. Like you really like audio editing mm-hmm. and I really like talking. And so <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it works really well. Yeah. 
and the conversations we're choosing to have, like these are things that are really important to both of us. And we really took our time with deciding what we wanted the podcast to be and who we wanted our audience to be, what kinds of conversations, what kinds of guests. So it feels like super intentional. And like, of course we love it because we created it this way. Right, like we actively <laughs> chose to do only the things that we wanted to do. And we've been thinking about this podcast since like the summer and like meeting every week just to like plan. So even though it launched in January, there was so much like intentionality and planning and visioning and and scoping and trying to make it exactly what we wanted it to be before we put it out into the world. Yeah. So what got you past that? Or what got you through that rather? Or how, what, what was the turning point? When did you just decide like, okay, we've got it figured out. We've got some episodes uh, recorded. Let's, let's do this. Mm, how did we decide? Well, we, pick, we made ourselves pick a date that the first episode would come out no matter what. And at that point we didn't even have like a name. We didn't, we were still trying to figure out who our audience, quote unquote, like who we were talking to and what we were talking to them about. But we were like, okay, January 13th, it will be out. And between now and then, we're just going to figure out what exactly will be out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, I had, um, I had the hardest time starting a podcast because I got stuck on what the name was going to (laughs) be. And I also then, uh, after and then got stuck in all the like okay so like a microphone okay so now I have to know sound editing so how do you even upload this so how do you get it like and it turned into this like massive thing (laughs) that I hadn't been expecting because I think people hear podcasts and they think about like these super cool conversations which you do get to have but I I don't think that they realize like how much other stuff goes in on other ends of it to like make it actually happen I think we got lucky because I had already bought the microphone um, and I can't tell you why I bought this microphone. I think I, I wanted to launch a rap career at some point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, when that happens, <laughs> you have to let me be the first person to know. Because... <laughs> uh, um, and I, I guess I already knew the, the audio editing from like making raps in the past, honestly. So I feel like the the technical part of it didn't feel like that big of a burden or that big of a challenge for us to get over. Um, I think the challenge, at least for me, was like, what is the name? What is the topics we want to talk about? And like, how do we want to deliver it? Is it going to be like educational or more like casual? Yeah, or even just like thinking about podcasts that we enjoyed and why Mm -hmm. we enjoyed them and what we didn't like about certain podcasts. And there was a lot of like, Because I think with two people, you have to come to a lot of agreements about Mm -hmm. how things are going to work out. And I think if I was doing a podcast by myself, it would definitely look different. But I love the way that we do it. And I love all of the the suggestions and structure. Lali's a Capricorn. And I feel like (laughs) you brought so much structure and you you really parameterized it in a way that's very helpful for me. Um, And I was very like, well, I want it to feel like they're in the living room with us. And I want it to like speak to the people who are kind of going through this and I was more of like the the right brain Mm -hmm. of the operation so I think and you were like episode 
episodes that are over this length are too long. So our episodes are only going to be <laughs> this long and we're not going to go off topic and all this stuff. So we really complimented each other. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So you've shared Lolly's sign. What are you? I'm a Leo with a Cancer rising. Oh. I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo, I'm a Leo moon. Double well. Leo. Leo, <laughs> Leo moon. <laughs> and a Cancer <laughs> Well, Leos are really social, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And I feel like I'm definitely always thinking of people to invite on and all the people we've had on so far have been people that I've known. <laughs> so I feel like I'm definitely driving the interview portion as well. I think I, I think my moon is in Leo. I have something in Leo. Nothing in Capricorn. <laughs> I also have nothing in Capricorn. <laughs> so, so Lolly, you're doing a massive service to everyone being yourself. <laughs> funny i think i have a, a stellum in capricorn i think i have three capricorn really in my chart. oh wow yeah that, you're very <laughs> it's so really cool. important though you're really a grounding element in my life <laughs> <laughs> yes so I have my... oh no you go ahead you have your i was gonna say i have my um rising sign is in leo and i think like the way i see it is like even though i'm really reserved like super introverted I still want to have conversations in public and I definitely attribute that to my Leo and I think that's what the podcast is awesome for because you're so vocal on the podcast in a way that like when I first met you you were so quiet and yeah. I was like does this person like me? what is this person thinking like what's going on in their head and the podcast has really brought out a lot of like that Leo energy from you I think the online business too like making the posts on Instagram, making videos on Instagram, like having to share or like my email list too. Mm -hmm. I think it really pushes that, that side of me and it makes me happy. I want to share this with the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes to all of that. It's so also interesting um, hearing you all talk about uh, when you're going to do like a collaborative thing, like, how you get on the same page and how like did you just have time like you started in the summer and you're like we're going to talk every week about about our goals for this or what are like I I you kind of alluded to it but I'll give listeners the uh the like buzzword in the community um when you were talking about who your ideal audience was I was like oh my gosh your ICA which is like it, I, ideal <laughs> client avatar <laughs> but it's so um interesting did you have any times where when you were talking about your goals for the podcast you had like different goals or did was there any like compromise that had to occur for the podcast to sort of collectively happen yeah I think um like one point of difference was I think since my business is more like education oriented around social justice issues I think I wanted to bring that more to the podcast um and I think Samara was coming at it more from like these these concepts are just integrated into the way that we have conversations around spirituality or identity or um, other topics. And so I think having that conversation really shaped the way that we ended up having the conversations with our guests and with ourselves where it wasn't like 
I'm going to teach you this and this and this and here's some words and, you know, take out your pen and paper as you're reading this. So I think that was one point of difference. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. I didn't want explicit. I didn't want it to be an explicitly educational podcast and you you're right your business and your content is very like educational and this is the difference between that and that and this is then unpacking concepts with people um and I think another point that came up that we are still kind of balancing and I think we're doing a good job is Lali and I our businesses are pretty different like I work with a lot of people who identify as witches and who are into things like tarot and divination and all of that. And we didn't want the podcast to be so witchy to where Lali was like out of his element. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to balance out like the guests that we have and the, the concepts that we talk about so that it's not like we're only talking to people who would resonate with my stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's such a, I think good and like, rich and interesting like combo to put those two things together and have that as sort of like the the variety goal um just because it will expose people to like greater depth um anyway sorry <laughs> getting philosophical over here um cool so let's kind of can we maybe end with you telling people a little bit about your podcast your like kind of collective thing that you all do together um yeah mm. and just like sharing that with folks and what they can expect there since we've kind of already touched on it yeah so our podcast is called intuitive wellness and our goal with it is really to have conversations around identity and oppressive systems and spirituality um you know, in a casual conversational way that is healing for folks. Um, and we really want to drive home the point that like doing your inner work, um, working on healing yourself is activism in itself. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah what add. Um, I guess just the only thing I would add that came out in our first episode was just this sense of um, if people are familiar with intuitive eating, and how intuitive eating is so focused on listening to your body and asking yourself what feels good and then making your food choices from that place. I really was hoping that the podcast would come into the space of like intuitive wellness and approaches to wellness for yourself and wellness for the world that genuinely feel good for you and not like forcing yourself to do, like if you're not a breathwork person, you don't need to sit down and breathe every single day. And, <laughs> and if you don't believe that, you know, calling your Senator is going to be effective, then you don't need to do that. Like the things that are going to bring about the most well world and the most well self are going to be the things that feel the best for you. Yeah. That's so huge and so important, I think to consider and hear. So where can people find you? We are on Spotify under Intuitive Wellness. Are we on Apple? Lolly does all the things. <laughs> I don't are, know why. We are working on, on getting on Apple. Hopefully by next week we, we will be. Um, we are on like Google Podcasts, on Pocket Casts, Anchor, like 
I can share those links with you. Sweet. And for the listeners, those will be in the show notes. Speaking of, um, speaking of creating the world that we want to see, uh, Lolly, you and I had a conversation about our conversation. <laughs> and i didn't know if you want to go ahead and uh put that on with this episode or have like a quick sort of like hey guys this is what a pivot looks like (laughs) yeah yeah so i reached out to emily because i was reading an article about decolonization um the word itself and how it has been used as more of a metaphor because like at the root of decolonization is like land back for indigenous people and I'm realizing how the way that I have been using it in terms of decolonizing gender and decolonizing identity is more what I'm meaning to say is like a more liberated view a view that is free from white supremacist colonial ideals I'm not speaking about indigenous sovereignty Um, and so I want to correct the mistake that I've been making in, in using that language because I don't I want to center indigenous life and and I realize my privilege in not having that experience as an indigenous person. And so I want to apologize publicly for using that language and I will be changing uh, the name of my workshop. Dope. I didn't, this is my first time hearing about this. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning and learning, you know. I guess good things can come from reading. I know I read that article too and I had been using it wrong as well um more to mean like the idea of like power dynamics and where Mm -hmm. like uh, the ideas of um ownership come from and the idea that like as a dominant culture we sort of like feel like we can just own everything um, mm-hmm. in addition to what you were talking about as well. And so that, that like article was such a huge, uh, wake up call. Um, yeah, maybe we can share that in the, in the description as well. A hundred percent. I will link that article there. Will, will you tell people what your workshop was named and what it is named now? Yeah. So it was called decolonizing gender 101 and I'm changing the name to liberating gender. Love it. I have a workshop called Decolonize the Tarot. It's not on sale anymore, but it was very popular. And now I feel like this is so eye-opening to me too, just as a person who has been using that term and has been very publicly using that term for a while. So thank you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, cool. It was so amazing uplifting (laughs) incredible (laughs) to have you all on again and i i just want to say thank you again for coming on the sacred adventure begin podcast of course thanks for having us this has been such a lovely week i guess of of getting to talk to you so often and thank you so much emily awesome well see you all later listeners (laughs) bye everyone I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. If you feel inspired by the conversations you were part of today, please consider joining us on patreon.com backslash getting into it with Emily and supporting the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. Membership and support starts at $2 a month and gives you access to teachings 
episodes before they are released, and a platform to submit your questions for our guests. Thank you so much for being here. Know that I am sending you so much love, so much awareness, and so much self-acceptance at whatever stage in your journey you find yourself on today.